Hi guys, hope everyone's well and welcome back to the Improvement Podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to touch on or a deep dive into back training. First of all, quick update on myself as I usually do. So been a really good week of training this week and the last few weeks actually. So yeah, very happy with how it's went. And uh, I'm definitely in a good groove and feeling like recovered from prep. And I'm not at the stage where, let's say, I'm turning up to sessions, but there's still a few movements that aren't going well. For the most part, everything's going pretty well and training's flying. Uh, and I'm currently sitting at 182 pounds, which that was this morning, which is like the heaviest weigh in since prep. And that is me up around, I believe, uh, that would be 18 pounds. Uh, so yeah, my weight is getting there. And of course, that's what we, that's the aim. That's what we want to do because that's going to allow me to perform my best when I'm sitting at a low body weight. That's not a position where I'm going to be stable, be able to produce much force and lift a lot of load on movements and overall be in a good position to progress and build muscle tissue. So in terms of why the episode, so when you're training your back, it's not as simple as just doing rows and pull downs, just like any other muscle group. It's not just moving weight. Uh, and those that, uh, let's say, can get away with just rowing and doing pull downs and growing a good back, they might be more genetically gifted than yourself or other individuals. And yeah, so others can get away with it. Others may need to have a greater focus on what they're doing with their execution in order to bias the muscles in their back effectively. Uh, because like I said, no, not everyone's got the ability to uh, like build muscle in the same manner. Some people will need to pay a greater level of attention to like uh, targeting their lats, targeting the upper back, because some people might be able to just pick up a barbell and row and they'll grow their lats from that just due to their structure and their like, your, their their ability to grow that muscle just due to genetics, whereas other people won't. I myself, I'm not someone who can get away with doing like uh, just rows and growing my lats. Uh, my upper back's not too bad, but I think if I want to grow my lats effectively, I need to do the single arm movements. I need to make sure I'm lining myself up effectively. I'm pausing in both ranges. I'm making sure everything's in a good spot. As a result, uh, I'm going to basically split up how I train my back into different body parts and basically run through it all with you. So first of all, I split up my back training into three different parts. So I focus on training my erectors, my lats, and also my upper back. First of all, I'm going to touch on how I train my lats. So your lats is basically, in other words, your latissimus dorsi. Uh, basically, your lats start in your lower back and they end up attaching to your humerus, which is basically your the upper the bone at the upper part of your arm. They attach to the top of that, and as a result, that's that's going to influence how we're trying to target because how the muscle fibers run, if that makes sense. Uh, so yeah, in terms of your lats, if let's say you see people like when they flex, they put their arms up, and then you see the muscle coming out like just below their armpit, uh, and that's basically your lats, that's your lat muscle, uh, just so you are aware. And like I said, they run down from like your upper arm to basically the bottom of your back. And when we train our lats, we want to think about several different things. So first of all, rib cage positioning. 
So when we train our lats, we don't want our chest flared up excessively. Because when we, let's say, let's say we're doing a lat pull down. See if we have a massive arch in our lower back and we lift our chest up excessively, that's not going to put us in a good position to bias our lats. That's going to put us in a good position to basically bias our upper back. That's going to line our upper back up so that our upper back is going to be worked. Whereas if, let's say, we keep our core tight, we like you're doing a plank, you keep your spine neutral, then you're going to be putting yourself in a good position to target your lats. They're going to have a mechanical advantage or basically be put in a position where they're going to be able to work and work effectively. Uh, and you can get a good stretch at them, stretch from them at the top. Because if you think about it, see when you arch your back, you're to an extent bringing your upper part of your arm closer to your lower back. So you're shortening your lat, in other words, or basically pretend your muscles an elastic band. You are removing the elasticity from the band. You are basically taking the stretch out of the muscle so the muscle can't work through as larger range of motion. Just like during a bicep curl, we don't want to just stop halfway down. It's pointless. Uh, we want to go right the way down into that stretch position. Same applies with our lats, and we can't do that if we are flaring our chest up. So first of all, we want to think about keeping our core tight and our rib cage or our chest down. And you don't have to like face it down like you're rounding your back, but a neutral spine, a flat spine, if that makes sense. Next, we want to think about the position of our upper arm. So to get a good stretch in our lat, we our lat basically wraps around our rib cage, which basically means the muscle stretches around your rib cage. It obviously can go through it. Uh, so if it attaches to your upper arm, and if you think about it, see if you've got your upper arm, see if I tell you, right, have, lift your arm up, face your palm up, and then face it, let's say, towards your right-hand side, like you're doing like a wide grip pull-down. You can't really feel your lat, whereas if I tell you, do the same thing, have your palm facing up, then bring your arm across your body, keeping your palm facing up. Like, let's say you are reaching towards left, like reaching left and up while keeping your palm facing up, if that makes sense. Like you're doing a rope, a single arm rope pullover or a rope pullover, but instead of just going straight, try and drive your left hand up as far as you can. You'll feel a stretch in your lat. That's because it wraps around your rib cage. Uh, so in order to target a lat, we basically want to have our upper arm close to our body or our arm in general. And why your upper arm is the position of your lower arm doesn't really matter because your lat doesn't touch that bit of your body, if that makes sense. Uh, I'm trying to put it across so I'm not overcomplicating things and putting it across in a uh, easy to understand manner. So I hope you are getting the grasp of it. But yeah, basically we want to keep our palm facing up when doing so. And the reason being is if, let's say, put your hand in the air again or your hand in front of you, look where your elbow is right now with your and face your palm down. Now face your palm up. What does your elbow do? Your elbow tucks in closer to your body. It goes round about shoulder width. And that's going to put you in a good position to use your lat. So usually you want our palm facing in or up slightly. And... What we want to think when using our lat is if, let's say, we're doing a like a row, we want to think elbow towards our hip. And the reason being is when we are doing a lat pull down, sorry, when we're doing a row, 
If, let's say, we don't think that, we're going to get a lot of bend in the elbow, we're going to use our bicep a lot, or if we just think pulling it towards our chest, what's going to happen is our elbow will flare out and we'll use our upper back more. Whereas if we keep our elbow tucked through driving your elbow towards your hip, then you will be able to use your lat effectively. And in terms of the range of motion we want to use, so when we are using our lat, basically when we pull in line with our body, so when our upper part of our arms in line with our body, that's our lat fully squeezed or fully contracted. That's the lat. It's not going to work anymore if you pull your arm even further back, if that makes sense. If your elbow goes behind your body, you're not going to be able to work your lat further. You're not getting more out of your lat doing that. Your lat will stop working to an extent or not work any greater anyway. So you basically, you can stop in line with your torso. You could argue if you're doing, let's say, a row, you can get even more out of the movement and train more of your back as well if you pull it even further back. You could say so, uh, but the potential downside of that is you're going to be limited how much weight you can maybe put on your lat from how much weight you can lift with the other muscles uh, because you're stop or because you, you're going further back and it's really hard when your elbows pain your body. But basically, if we're wanting to just isolate our lat, just target our lat, we want to stop when our upper part of our arms in line with our body. And when we are, let's say, at the bottom of a row, when we're reaching our arm forward, we don't want to fully straighten it to the extent that our shoulder comes forward excessively. Because when we do this, when our shoulder comes forward excessively, we are using our upper back. And why? Because you're... Because when we bring our shoulder forward, let's say at the bottom of a row and get a great stretch, when we start rowing again and bring our shoulder back, your lat doesn't do that. That's not your lat's job. That's your upper back's job. So that means you'll be training your upper back doing that motion. So if we want to keep the weight on our lat, we want to stop just before your arm's straight so we don't have excessive movements of the shoulder. Saying that, we don't want to pin our shoulder back because that won't allow us to use our lat effectively. We just want to not really focus on the shoulders, focus on what the elbow's doing and uh, what the upper arm's doing to an extent. And in terms of when you're doing a pull-down, when we're doing a pull-down, we want to basically focus on driving your elbow down and keeping it in front of the body. Because if, let's say, you focus on pulling it towards you, your elbow's going to flare out, you're going to pull it towards your chest, and you're going to use your upper back. So we want to focus on keeping our elbow forward. Like, let's say, we're trying to scrape it scrape it across a wall in front of us and keep it like touching the wall or keep it dragging along that wall the whole time or we want to keep it in front of our body usually what i try and tell clients is focus on like if you're doing a lap pull down focus on driving your elbow towards the thigh pad that you are like that your legs are under if that makes sense like the thigh pad on the lap pull down that usually can help individuals and uh, when you perform it as well you want to stop you don't want to pull down so excessively that, let's say, your elbow is in line with your body because your lats will stop working. And again, don't focus on pulling it towards you, focus on pulling it down. So we keep our elbow in front of our body, our elbow like shoulder width, so we target our lat. In terms of good exercises to target our lat, uh, so when we're trying to target it, like I said, we want our palms facing in or up slightly. And we want, and the reason being is so our elbow is relatively tucked and roundabout shoulder width. So 
A good example is like a neutral grip pro. So a roll where your palms face in, or let's say a lap pull down with a neutral grip around shoulder width. So where you can grip it where your palms face in. Again, you don't want it super, super wide. You don't want it crazy narrow. However, if you've not got a neutral grip one, that's round about shoulder width and you've got a close grip attachment, that could be a not too bad option. And basically any other exercises where you can tuck your elbow in to an extent and drive it towards your hip uh, during rows or drive it down during pull downs. So we don't want a crazy wide grip or a crazy narrow grip. You can have like an underhand grip on let's say a standard lap pull down bar or like during a, on a pull up attachment or a straight bar. But some people won't have the ability to hold the bar with an underhand grip without getting pain in their elbow and wrist. So in terms of what other, like in terms of machines, again, machines where you're not having a super wide grip or super narrow grip and you can keep your palms facing in or up. You can also do single arm movements where you keep your palm facing in or palm facing up slightly. And the benefit of them is it allows you to really tuck your elbow in and have it in line with your shoulder and drive it towards your hip. And you're not restricted in terms of your range of motion or restricted in terms of where your elbow's going due to the attachment you're using. Because like a cable, you can basically drive it wherever you want if you've got a handle on it, which is the benefit of a cable, especially if you don't have great machines in your gym. So yeah, that's how to train the lat. Next up, I'm going to touch on training the upper back. So when I'm talking about the upper back, I'm basically talking about muscles like the rhomboids, the rear delts, the uh, trapezius, uh, and the basically with you've got your lats that are the muscles that are referred to as wings or the ones that are on the side of your body going down to your lower back. I uh, just search, just Google your lat if you're unsure what I mean. In terms of your upper back, this is basically the rest of the muscles in your upper back I'm talking about. Uh, so I'm grouping them together because you don't need to isolate each. You don't need to, especially if you're new in training, you don't need to do a rear delt row. That's not necessary at all. Because uh, most people, even people who are advanced, so you hear people advanced say this, they struggle to separate training their upper back and their lats. They struggle to even achieve that. And as a result, like I said, you don't need to isolate each. And... With your upper back muscles, some attach to your shoulder blade, which is something to consider because if, let's say, your muscle attaches to your shoulder blade, that means if your shoulder blade moves, what's going to happen to the muscles attached to it? They're going to change length. They're going to stretch or get or get shorter. And what I mean by this is if you get your arm, you put your arm out straight and then you like do a curl and squeeze your bicep hard, that's your muscle length shorter. Your muscle is yeah, more compact, if that makes sense. And you get, obviously, the peak of your bicep because it's shorter. Uh, it's fully contracted. Whereas if you put your arm out and then put your arm straight and then put behind your body, you'll feel a stretch in your bicep because that's your bicep fully stretched. It's a different length. Just like an elastic band, if you don't stretch it at all and then stretch it as much as you can, that's what your muscle is like when it's through a full range of motion. So when training the upper back, it's comprised of many muscles, like I said. And when we are training our upper back through a full range, what it will basically look like is your shoulder blades moving forward quite a lot at the bottom, allowing your shoulders to come forward and your shoulder blades to come forward and having somewhat rounding of the upper back. And then 
from there, thinking about driving elbows back and having your shoulders go back as much as you can. And that's going to basically be training our upper back for a full range of motion. And when we're doing so, what we want to think about is the position of our elbows. So like I said, if your palm's facing up slightly, it will cause your elbows to tuck. If your palm's face down or you've got a neutral grip, but like a wide grip attachment, your elbows will flare out. We want our elbows flared out to an extent to target our upper back. They don't need to be in line with our shoulder, but we don't want them tucked excessively when we're targeting our upper back. And in terms of your shoulder blades, like I said, your muscles in your upper back will attach to your shoulder blades. So as a result, when you move your shoulders forward excessively, you'll stretch your upper back, which we want to do. Uh, so think when you're doing rows, uh, especially once chest supported so your lower back doesn't round, think allowing your shoulders to come forward as much as you can. And in order to achieve it, you might need to put your seat up slightly so that the seat so that the chest support is not getting in the way of allowing you to do so. So think shoulders forward as much as you can. When you are doing so, focus on breathing in. The reason being is if, a, if you, let's say, you can try this in the gym, try it next time you're doing a row. If I tell you, do a chest supported row and stretch your forward shoulders forward as much as you can, then from there, take a big breath in your chest. What will happen? You'll get more air in your ribs which means you can, or your ribcage, and then you can stretch your shoulders forward even more. You'll feel a greater stretch because uh, basically we can stretch your forward shoulders forward and it wraps around our ribs, if that makes sense. So focus on breathing in at the bottom and allowing your shoulders to come forward, putting the seat up because it will help you do so. And then focus on driving elbows back. And then when you're focused on driving elbows back, try and focus on basically lifting your chest slightly, your upper chest, and focus on getting all your shoulder blades as close together as you can. And chest supported movements are great, like I said, because you don't have to worry about your lower back when doing so. And uh, in terms of your I've covered grip, you want ideally a grip facing in or up slightly. We don't need to have our core tight and we don't have to have a neutral spine. If we've got a slight arch in our back when doing like a pull down, you'll target our upper back fine. Uh, when doing a row, it, it won't matter as much in terms of the position, but you don't need to have your core tight and a neutral spine. You can have a slight arch at the top uh, when you're performing the row. And uh, yeah, like I said, getting as much movement in those shoulder blades as you can, breathing in at the bottom and really driving those elbows back as far as you can. And usually, like if you're using a machine, you want a relatively wide grip to allow you to do so. So you're not using an awful lot of bicep because if let's say you're using a like a machine with a really really narrow grip with your palms facing down you'll just get a lot of bicep at the top of the movement so next up touching on your erectors so your erectors are basically a muscle that runs from the top of your back to the bottom of your back either side of your spine and basically your erectors their role is extending your spine and basically maintaining its position so your rectors they're like the yeah well just search up if you want to see example but they're the muscles either side of your spine that you can feel like in the middle of your back and like i said they run from the top to bottom and their roles extending the spine so when we think about what we do let's say during a 
I'm not sure if anyone's seen a hyperextension. If, let's say, you've got your legs locked in somewhere and you go from a rounded spine to lifting your chest up and arching your back. Uh, so, yeah, since it's rows extending your spine, uh, when we are working during, let's say, rows, deadlifts, squats, bent over, oh, rows are bent over rows, so that applies to the same thing, or doing any other things like packing things up, uh, they'll be working isometrically, meaning they might not go through a full range of motion because a full range of motion would look like rounding our back as much as we can and then like arching our back as much as we can, which might not be the safest thing to do with really heavy loads if you're not used to doing so. Uh, but I'm not going to dive into that. Uh, we'll save that for another time, my thoughts on that. But yeah, we'll basically work it isometrically, which means we'll work the muscle, but it won't get stretched or squeezed anymore. It won't change the length, if that makes sense. Like elastic band, the tension will be on, like there'll be a lot of tension on the elastic band, but not enough to stretch it or make it less stretched, if that makes sense. The band will stay length. Your muscles in your back will stay the same length, but they'll work a lot to maintain that length, if that makes sense. They'll work a lot... Basically, your erectors, if you're trying to deadlift, to stop your spine from snapping in half or like curving excessively, that's what your erectors do. Your erectors stop that happening. And personally, I don't feel, feel like you need to isolate them. Meaning, let's say, train them in isolation by trying to get as much round as you can in your back and maybe uh, arch your back as much as you can, like during hyperextensions, like I said. Or like a glute ham raise, if you've ever seen someone do that. You can search them up so you understand what I mean. You don't really need to isolate them as a beginner. The reason being is if you're doing, let's say, rows, deadlifts, squats, you will work them very, very well. And if you look at people with really great deadlifts, really strong squats, who can roll a lot of weight bent over, they'll have very, very good erectors. So the proof's in the pudding. You don't really need to. If, let's say, you have back problems, a spinal injury, or you just don't really work, get on well with deadlifts or squats or that, and you don't do them at the current moment of time due to that, then you can maybe include them. But I feel like you should exhaust your ability to try and squat and deadlift. And you shouldn't, let's say, if you're a beginner, think, oh, this will also train my erector, so I'll just do that instead. I don't think that's a good approach to use. I think you should try and learn how to do all movements because if not, then that's like a, a skill you've not got in your toolbox, if that makes sense, and a tool you can't use when you might need to and yeah so it can be a good idea to do it if you can't lower back load like a hyper extension or glute ham raise and when we are working our erectors like i said if we're let's say doing a deadlift a squat or a bent over roll we're going to be working them so what i'd recommend is have a deadlift in your program a deadlift variation if it's a romanian deadlift a stiff leg deadlift a trap bar deadlift not that it's the best though or uh conventional deadlift even just a deadlift variation and also doing a bent over row if it's a t-bar row a, a dumbbell row a barbell row or yeah just any form of bent over row really where you've not got a chest support and if you get strong at both of them i think you will have decent erectors and you won't really need much else and in terms of yeah, so that's that's basically how you target your erectors and grow your erectors. I don't think you need much more. Like I said, I think that will do the job in terms of building them up. And I think you'll have like great enough erectors if you manage to do so. So that's basically, that's it, to be honest. 
I think I've covered everything in regards to training all your musculature uh, in your back. So yeah, like I said, lats, we want to think about elbow tucked in, core tight, driving elbow to hip. Upper back, we want our elbows flared. We don't need to keep our core nice and tight. We want to make sure we've got plenty of movement over the shoulders. We don't want to pin them back. When we're training our erectors, do a squat, do a deadlift, do a bent over row, and I think you'll have great enough erectors. Or you can isolate it during like hyperextensions or glute, glute ham raises if you want to grow them and not do one of those compound movements. But I think it's very valuable to learn. Uh, but yeah, that's about it. And when you are, sorry, something else off the top of my head that I didn't cover. When you are training your erectors, you will work them during chest supported row movements, like your upper erectors. So if you focus on, let's say, letting your upper back round and lifting your upper chest off the pad and trying to get like an arch in your upper back, getting as much range of motion in your upper back as you can, you will work your erectors to an extent as well. Uh, but yeah, hope you enjoyed the episode. A wee bit of a longer one, but again, nothing crazy length-wise and a bit more to cover, hence the length. I don't try and drag it out for the sake of it or make it as short as I can for the sake of it. I just cover as much as I think needs covered, if that makes sense. But yeah, thank you very much for listening. Please feel free to like, subscribe, share this on your story, leave a rating and review. Any support, like I've said in the past, is greatly appreciated. Uh, and we're nearly at 2,000 downloads, which is exciting. So uh, let's help the podcast get there by giving it a share if you can. That would be magic. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for listening. Hope everyone has a great day, evening, weekend, whenever you're watching or listening to this.